This is Kenny Green, the lead pastor of City Light Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith as we dive into the life-changing, life-giving Word of God. I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, I just want to take a moment and welcome all of our churches, our online campus and our Monteagle campus. And I want to welcome everybody that is here in the room at our Chattanooga campus. Can we just take three seconds and give God a crazy ovation of praise wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this. God's about to do something special and something significant. I do want to say hello to all the mothers that are in the house today. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Can we give it up for the awesome mothers in the house? If it were not for the mothers, none of us would be here, okay? Just let that sink in. That's, that's truth right there. If it wasn't for the moms, we, none of us would be here today. I also want to take a moment and those that um, maybe this is a painful day for you. Maybe this is a, a challenging day. Maybe this is the first Mother's Day without your mother and you're still grieving the loss of a mother. And I know that today can be very challenging for you and painful for you. I want you to know that we are praying for you today. Uh, those that are still praying and hoping to become a mother, maybe you're struggling with infertility or something like that. And, and, and today is just a reminder of what you're still hoping to see happen in your life. I want you to know that we are praying for you today as well. And I personally prayed Uh, for those types of uh, future mothers and those that may be grieving the loss of a loved one today. We want you to know that our staff is praying for you and that we love you. Well, today we are kicking off week three of our series entitled, Till Death Do Us Part. Has anybody been enjoying this series? Anybody? Hey, let me just ask you this. It's like it been rekindling a little fire. Come on, somebody in the bedroom, maybe. I don't know. Y'all just tell me. I told y'all to put your kids in kids' church now. You know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But no, hopefully things are growing in your marriage. Hopefully uh, there's, there's some good things that are, that are happening. And I know God has been just working in, in my life and my wife's life. I always love going through these types of series. It always enhances and enriches my marriage as well. And, and we've been talking about different goals. We've been talking about different things that can strengthen our marriages. And also we've been receiving application for those that are, are in the dating season of their life. And, and so for those that are not married, we've been talking about how you can go ahead and get ready for the one that God is going to send into your life later down the road, that you can go ahead and become all that God has called you to become now so that once you do get married, you will be ready for it and it will save you from a lot of pain and a lot of heartache down the road and that you would just chase after Jesus with, with every fiber of your being now and, and when the time is right and, and when Sovereign Lord puts that person into your life, you know that you can be the best person possible for that lifelong mate. And then we're also talking to those that, that are currently married and we're praying that, that the goals from this series and, and the scripture that we're sharing will strengthen your marriage, will enhance it and will enrich it and will take it to even higher heights that you thought maybe were completely impossible. And so we're talking about till death do us part. We're, we're trying to get the marriage strong because how many of you know, if the marriage gets better, the whole family gets better. And, and if the marriage can get right, the family can get right. And really, uh, the condition that the world is in today, it has a lot to do with how the home and the family life is in shambles in our country. 
the family, the, the, the husband and wife, the family unit, the family system that God instituted in the beginning of the garden is under attack by the world and by the enemy. And we need families and marriages that are on fire, committed to God, ready to go out and advance the kingdom of God uh, in the earth. And so that's been our prayer and that's been our heart throughout this series. And so to kick off today, we're, we're talking about a different topic. We've talked about the power of purity, and today we're talking about the power of pursuit. The power of pursuit. And today, to kick off this series, I want to ask everybody a question. Have you ever done something really crazy and really just outside of the box to demonstrate or prove your love to somebody else? Just raise your hand if you've ever done that. Like you went, you went overboard, like you did something crazy. Come on, husbands. Hopefully you're raising your hand right now. Like you did something crazy to convince her that you love her and that she should love you. You done something like just really crazy, kind of even stupid. Come on, somebody, uh, to prove your love to that special person. Uh, I remember when Kayla and I first met. I still remember the day. I get butterflies still when I think about it. Come on, somebody. I was was a sophomore in Bible college at Tennessee Temple right here in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was a sophomore and uh, I was a resident assistant. I was an RA there. I was on staff there at the school. And so on freshman orientation, I would help get all the freshmen checked in. And I remember there at freshman orientation and I remember this beautiful smoking hot, come on, gorgeous girl walk in straight long blonde hair, like a tan. She looked like a sun goddess. And funny thing, Kayla, when we first started dating, we'd go to the tanning bed together every day. That's how we knew we were meant for each other uh, because we, we didn't judge each other for that. Um, but there were the good old days. And, 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 and I just saw her. And I remember seeing her like, oh my gosh, this, this girl is beautiful. Like, I like what I'm seeing. Thank you, God, for creating this masterpiece. Can I get a witness, church? And I remember talking to the, the college pastor at the time. I was like, I need to know everything about her. What do you know about her? And he's like, well, I happen. I've been, fa- I've been friends with the family for almost 22 years. And so I did a little research. I did a little digging. And I found out that she had had a boyfriend for two years. And they were still together. And I was like, man, there's just no chance. We have to understand, I'd only been a Christian for about three years. And so I was willing to wreck that relationship if I had to do. And so uh, that, that was in me. But, but at the same time, I was, I was trying to be a Christian. I was like, it would not be godly of me to, to ruin this two-year relationship. It would not be nice. And I'm trying to be Christ-like. I'm trying not to be a homewrecker. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just not, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna pursue. Well, then, her and I started becoming friends and friends with friends and we started hanging out and and she started dropping a few hints my way y'all know what I'm talking about she started throwing a little bit of flirt my way I can tell you this because she's not in here she'll be in here the second but no she did and I was like wait a second I think she's liking what she's seeing too and so I, I started, you know, flirting back a little bit. And I was like, wait a second. Uh-oh, things are, things are shifting here. And one day I walked into the parking lot out of my dorm. And I see her with her friends sitting on my motorcycle. I had a sweet motorcycle. I had a Jixer 750. Where are the cross rocket riders at? And it was, uh, it was black and yellow city light. It was already being prophesied through my motorcycle that we would be pastoring City Light Church. And I see her sitting on it. And I said, 
said, oh, you like my, that's my motorcycle. You found my motorcycle. I said, you know, I could take you a ride. I could take you on a ride on that motorcycle. And she said, oh, I think I would like that. And so a couple rides on the motorcycle. Can I get an amen in this church? A couple ping pong games, a couple trips to Starbucks, a couple laughs. And before I know it, she's breaking up with her boyfriend. And we've been together ever since. That was 13 years ago, by the way. So I got her. And, and I remember doing crazy things to show and prove my love to her. I remember staying up on the phone till 5 in the morning, and I've got class at 8 o'clock. And we're just listening to each other breathe on the phone. You hang up. No, you hang up. I'm not hanging up. I don't want to hang up. Yo, bye. I love you. You love me. Oh, and, and we'll sit there like, I'm not going to be the one that hangs up, because if I hang up, then it's going to hurt your feelings. And if you hang up, it's going to hurt. And y'all know what I'm talking about, how crazy, stupid, in love, you know, we were. And we did all these crazy things to prove our love. And then when I was like, oh, this is the one. I'm going to marry her. She's going she's gonna to be my wife. Then it got really expensive. Can I get a witness? You know, diamond rings and necklaces and, and shopping sprees. But, but I was willing to do whatever I had to do to prove my love for her. And here's why we do crazy things in the beginning. Don't miss this. If, if you're taking notes, we need to understand this principle. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. Maybe you drove all night through the snow to prove your love to that person that you love. Maybe you spent your whole savings account on some ridiculous concert because she wanted to go to the concert or he wanted to go. Maybe you used to sit on the phone and just listen to each other fall asleep until 5 in the morning. Whatever it is, we've all got those stories. We tend to pursue that which we feel like we don't have. And what happens years later, we wake up and you're married and you don't feel the love. What, what happens one day when you suddenly think, this isn't the person that I fell in love with? What happens one day when you suddenly think, where did the intimacy go? Where did the closeness go? We feel like we've just grown apart. Where did the spontaneity go? Where did the adventure go? Where did the romance go? Well, very simply, if we, we look at the roots of it and we look at where it started, at some point, somewhere along the line, the priorities got out of order. We begin to put other things before our spouse. Think about this. Is there any other area of your life that you can be lazy and see improvement? Are y'all all right? Think about it. There's no area of your life where you can be lazy and see improvement. You can't be lazy in your body and in your diet and expect for yourself to be in shape and to be fit physically. You can't be lazy in your business and not lead it well and manage the finances well and see it grow, right? Can you be lazy in your yard, not water it, not fertilize it, and see your yard get better? Have you ever tried it before? The weeds will grow. The grass will die. It will get brown. It will fade. That, that's why I like to say, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Speaking of the yard and the metaphor of the marriage, if you feel like the grass is greener somewhere else, then get to work on your own grass. Get busy. Get out there and mow it. Mow it. Get out there and cut it. Get out there and fertilize it. Go out there and water it. Take care of your yard. It takes work to take care of your marriage. And that's really what I want to talk about today. We're in this message series, Till Death Do Us Part. We're looking at different goals that are going to help us in our dating life and help us in our marriage life. And we talked about the power of priorities. We talked about the power of purity. Today we're talking about the power of pursuit. We're in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 again. And 
Listen to what the Bible teaches here. Watch this. We're going to break down another word in the Hebrew here. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. Everybody shout united. And is united to his wife and they become one flesh. A man leaves his mother and father and he reprioritizes his relationships. That word united, he's united with his wife. In the Hebrew, it's, it's a very significant word. I really want to talk about that. It's the Hebrew word debak. It means to cling to or adhere to. Watch this. It literally means when you break down the word, the picture it gives is to catch by pursuit. To pursue with hard affection and devotion. Now, what I want to do is I just want to read three different verses of Scripture that use that same Hebrew word in different ways so that we can begin to see the picture of what God is wanting us to see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Uh, Because the Hebrew language was so fascinating, it wouldn't just be a word with no meaning. A word was almost like a picture. It was like a mini story, okay? And watch watch what it says in Psalm 63, verse 8. It says, I follow close behind you. Follow close. That Those two words. It's one word in the Hebrew. It's debak. Judges 20, 45. It says they pursued. Somebody say pursued. They pursued hard after, after them. Talking about in a military battle. Uh, Job 41, 17. It says they are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. Every single one of those verses has that Hebrew word that means to pursue. It means to go after. It means to cling or cleave to one another. In fact, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, when you talk about the marriage relationship, and even when you talk about the dating relationship, it's a story. It's a beautiful story of pursuit. It gives an incredible illustration of the meaning of that Hebrew word, debak. If you go to the Old Testament, there was a story about a man named Jacob, and we read about his love for a woman named Rachel. And he meets her and he just falls in love with her and he was willing to do anything he had to do uh, to get her and to marry her. And what's interesting is is that the Bible is kind of funny, isn't it? You know, we think that the Bible is boring only to realize once we start reading it, the Bible's not boring, that we are boring. Can I get a witness? But the Bible's really funny. It's got some funny things into it. If you read it, this is literally what it says. It says that there were two sisters. There was Leah, the older sister, And then there was Rachel, the younger sister. And the Bible says very literally that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. The Bible says that Leah had weak eyes. Okay, That's just what it says. In the Hebrew, what that literally means is that Leah had a good personality. Can I get an amen? That's that's what she had. The Bible's just kind of like savage sometimes. And like, is this kind of me? How cruel is that? Rachel has a lovely form and figure. Leah, not so much. And that's just what it says. Jacob loved the younger sister. He said, I want Rachel. I want to marry her. I'll do whatever it takes. And the father Laban says, well, fair enough. If you you want my daughter Rachel, then you need to come and work for me for seven years. If you want her, come and show me how bad you want her. If you say you love my daughter, you need to prove your love for my daughter. Jacob works seven years. He does everything that he's asked. And scripture says that time flew by very quickly because he was so in love with her. Time just flew by. It's like, I'm doing this because I love her. Well, then when they get to the end of the seven years, 
the father, he pulls a little switcheroo and he doesn't give her Rachel or him Rachel. He gives him Leah, the weak eyes one, right? And he's like, wait a second, we, we had an agreement. You know, I, I, I was really hoping uh, to get Rachel. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in love with Leah. And he's like, well, it's, it's the custom. It's proper for us to give you the older uh, daughter first. And he said, I tell you what. And a lot of people think, a lot of people think that he had to work another seven years before he was able to have Rachel. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says is that he went ahead and gave Rachel to him. And then he said, after he gave Rachel to him, he said, now you owe me another seven years. And I just love the imagery that it shows. It shows us two things. It shows that he was able to pursue her to get her and he worked to get her. But then he also worked to keep her. Are y'all with me? I love the imagery that it gives. It shows us that even after he received the gift, even after he already had Rachel, he still worked for Rachel. I love that imagery. Seven more years, he gladly worked even though he already had her. And in so many ways, I believe that's what God wants to, sh- wants to show us in his word today. God doesn't want you to just work to get your spouse. He wants you to work to keep your spouse. This is preaching up in this house. He wants you to keep on working at it. He wants you to keep on pursuing. He wants you to keep on coming after one another. So, so here's our goal today. You ready to write this down? Just get this down. This is our goal. What if we could say today, I will always pursue my two. My two. God is my one. He's at the center. He's priority. But then my spouse is my second, my two. And I am making the commitment today. I am making the promise today. I will always pursue my two. It might have took me seven years to get them, but hey, it's gonna, I'm gonna work seven years to keep them. I'm gonna do whatever it takes, not only to get them, but to keep them. The Bible says in Genesis 2 24 that they were united. They pursued each other and they became one flesh. What happens is this when you're not married, you, you maybe start dating and you start pursuing each other. And you're singing love songs to each other. Come on, somebody. I remember Kayla and I, we would sing some love songs to each other, and I can't sing. We would sing some Brian McKnight one. You like it? Y'all remember the song? We would sing some genuine, some boys, some men. Come on, somebody. Some Casey and JoJo. Some Usher, baby. Come on, where y'all at? And we would sing all these love songs. Come on, y'all help me preach up in here today. What happens, though, is if you don't continue to pursue in your marriage, things begin to drift down. If you don't continue to come after each other, things begin to drift and you begin to grow apart. Now, if I can talk to those of you that are not yet married, I want to just give those a little bit of dating, dating advice today. If you're dating someone right now and there's not mutual pursuit, you need to reevaluate the relationship. Y'all listen to me right now. If there is not mutual, if there's not mutual pursuit, if they're not coming after you, ladies, if he's not doing anything that looks like a date, if he's not dressing up and he's always on the PlayStation 5, come on somebody. If he's not dropping some change on you, 
If he's not buying you something or whatever, ladies, you need to know something. You are worth pursuing. You are a daughter of the most high God. You are, come on, where the father's at. They are worth pursuing. Come on, Laban, where are they at? You are worth pursuing. While hopefully you're not throwing yourself at him, ladies, listen. Hopefully you're pursuing him too. Hopefully you're showing him that you love him too. Hopefully you're writing a little love letter every once in a while. Come on. Hopefully you're getting fixed up on date night. Hopefully, listen, hopefully it is a mutual pursuit. Maybe making him some cookies. I don't know. Whatever he likes. But if you're not doing something to show interest in him, and if he's not doing something to show interest in you, then you really want to look at this and pay attention to it because typically once you get married, the pursuit doesn't go up, it, tend, it, it tends to go down. And if you're not doing it right now, you'll do it even less later on. Are you with me? So you're like, no, well, we're, we got all these problems in our, in, our, in, our, in our dating relationship, so we're going to go ahead and get married so we can fix all the problems. Because once we move in together and once we're together, everything that's wrong will be made right right no that is like crazy right everything that is wrong now will be even more wrong then it doesn't help the problems it intensifies the problems so you want to work on these things now before you go in to the marriage relationship now let's talk about how we can live this out and i want to be really practical i want to give some practical applications this isn't really a a sermon that's going to make you want to get up and run laps today but i want to give you some teaching today uh, that can really help you in in the marriage relationship and the dating relationship uh, because no one gets married and thinks you want to know hey you know seven years from now let's just make it seven years whatever and then we'll just get a divorce and We'll just end it and, you know, we'll just, we'll do whatever we can. And then we'll just, you know, if we have to get a divorce, we'll just get a divorce. No, nobody comes to the altar of marriage saying that their hope that it ends in seven years. Uh, no, nobody wants that. Nobody says that. However, it happens time and time again. The fact of the matter is most people come to the altar of marriage and they bring with them good intentions. In other words, they want to see their marriage go the distance. They want it to be for life. They, they don't want to you know, get divorced and have to split custody and split the kids down the middle and everything else and cause all that stress and turmoil in your kids' lives. Nobody, nobody really wants that, but oftentimes it happens. And, and the reason why it happens is we often just get tired. You know, Life wears us down. We, we get overwhelmed. We, we begin to grow apart. And, and we want to show the love that we feel, but we just simply don't do it. We, we don't prioritize it. So what I want to do, I want to give you three very simple scriptural instructions that will help us close the gap between good intentions and good actions. Are y'all with me? Because good intentions by themselves aren't going to bring any change in your life. And I'll say this, you can pray and pray and pray and you need to be praying for your marriage, but until you get up off your blessed assurance and start living out your prayers and start doing something and start putting some action, action to your prayers, it's just going to stay stuck where it's always been stuck. So this takes work. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, is get this in your spirit. When you think something good, say it. That's so simple, isn't it? When you think something good, say it to one another. The writer of Hebrews in verse 3.13 said, But encourage one another daily. Somebody shout daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
If you want to push out the deceitfulness of sin in your marriage, one of the ways that you can do it is by encouraging one another daily. Stop tearing each other down. Stop hitting each other over the head. Stop kicking each other while they've already fallen. And build each other up. Encourage one another. Every time you think something good of your spouse, say it to your spouse. Do not rob your bride or your husband of of a good word and never let the thought turn into a word that can encourage and bring life to their soul. If you want to keep the deceitfulness of sin, listen, encourage one another. Guys, can I speak to the guys for a second? She cleaned the house. You get home and the house is clean. Well, she's supposed to clean the house. Are y'all all all right? Guys, can I pull up in your living room? Come on, somebody. And sit down and have a cup of Kool-Aid with you? Well, she's, she's, that's what she's supposed to. She doesn't, I don't need to tell her thank you for something that she's supposed to do. How's your marriage working out, by the way? I don't care how small it is. I don't care how little it is. Tell her thank you for cleaning the house. Thank you for changing the diapers. Thank you for cooking the meal. Thank you for picking the kids up from school. Thank you for doing all that you do. Every single day, you got to wake up and you've got to thank your spouse for the good things that they're doing in your life. Tell her how beautiful she is. New makeup, no makeup. Tell her how beautiful she is. She got the hair did. Tell her how good it looks. Don't let her get home from a hair appointment and she says, well, do you see anything new about me? Ah. Um. Um. I like those shoes you got on. I've had these for five years. Thank you. Oh, some new jeans. Oh, the ha- listen, just be aware. Tell her how pretty she is. Tell her how beautiful she is. Because if you don't, some other man will. And marriages don't end because, and their affairs don't happen nine times out of ten. It's not because of a physical attraction. Most times when I see a man cheat on his spouse, he cheats on his spouse with someone that's not as attractive as his spouse. Most times, not all the time. And the reason why is a wife will cheat and a husband will cheat it's nine times out of ten not because of physical attraction it's because they are getting something from somebody else that they're supposed to be getting at home and oftentimes we want to blame them because of what they've done well maybe it was because we weren't being who we were supposed to be just something to think about not justifying affairs by any means But I'm just telling you, why does it happen? That's typically why it happens. Because the need wasn't being met, so they went and got their needs met somewhere else. Their needs met somewhere else. And so tell her. Tell her how awesome she is. I'm telling you right now, anytime I give a positive word to my wife, I can see her face light up. Every time I speak something good, it has impact. And we can all do better at this. Here's what I hope we can do today. I hope that we leave this building in just this mindset of when I think something good, I'm going to say something good. I'm not going to be lazy. It will strengthen your marriage. Gentlemen, listen. Pursue her with words of affection. And here's what I want to talk about today. Pursue her with words 
of non-sexual affection. All the guys are like, uh, oh, non-sexual affection. <laughs> this preacher's getting too deep now. Uh, oh, bless God. What do you mean <laughs> by non-sexual affection? Um, it's non-sexual <laughs> affection. It means you're just holding her hand, not because of where this might go, but because I want to sh show her that I love her. I want to love her. I want to, I want to give her the effect. You're like, well, I'm not a, I don't like touching. Well, you need to just pray. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to touch. Listen, show non-sexual affection. Some of you, listen, because, listen, guys, we struggle with this because we can make anything sexual, right? Like, you know, your wife say, hey, babe, we need to get the, the, the tires rotated. You'll say, well, I'll rotate your tires. <laughs> You know, like, what, like, it's like, what are we, you know, it's like, what the heck? Like, what is, <laughs> honey, would you please load the dishes? I'll load your dishes. <laughs> you know, like, so, <laughs> my wife's like, you know, when things are real hot and heavy, I can't wait to hear you preach. I'll show you how to preach. You know, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. We just go somewhere. We're not perverted. We're just men. Come on, men. Where you at? Can we? Well, that's just who we are. We can, we can turn anything and make it sexual. So this is going to be a challenge, guys. But try your best to show some non-sexual affection. Things like telling your wife that you love her. Tell her tons of times every day that you love her. Some of you, you may not even be able to remember the last time you said, I love you. Not a text, not a, like you looked her in her eyes. I want you to know that I love you. I love you. And take it a step further. Don't just say that you love her. What if you told her why you love her? I love you because of your eyes. I love you because you're an amazing woman. I love you because you're an incredible mother. I love you. Because you're an incredible woman of God. I love it when you worship. I love you. I love it. I'm telling you right now, guys. That's going to lead to some sexual affection later on. But that's not why we're doing it. Why are we doing it? Just to show our love. Now, that's for the guys. Can I talk to the ladies? Where are the ladies at? Ladies, y'all shout at me. Let me get y'all real quick. <laughs> guys, we need to pursue with non-sexual affection. Women, you need to pursue your husband with words of affirmation. She wants to know that you love her. He wants to know that you believe in him. He needs words of affirmation. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to be encouraged. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, this, this beat him over the head, kicked him while they're down, disrespecting him, talking down to him. He will always stay where he is. Because he is becoming who you see him as. He is becoming what you are speaking into him. Because the Bible is true. The power of life and death are in the tongue. And if you've got a dead marriage, it could be because you're speaking death. And if you want a marriage that has life to it, a marriage that is alive, change the sermon and start speaking life. And watch things resurrect. And things that have been dead, watch them come back to life. 
that you thought were impossible to come back to life. Start speaking life. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how many people tell me that I preach good. Oh, it was a great sermon, Pastor. A million people could tell me that. If my wife doesn't tell me that, I still don't believe it. But I'm telling you, everybody in the room could have hated it. Not one person could have said it was a good sermon. But if my wife at the lunch table, which she almost nine times out of ten says this, that was the best sermon you ever preached. I'm telling you right now, I get to beat in my chest like King Kong. I'm telling you, I feel like Billy Graham. I feel like the best preacher in the world. And listen, when there are days where I do not believe in myself and I feel like I do not have what it takes, if my wife will believe in me and tell me that I have what it takes, I can keep moving forward. I can keep on preaching. I can keep on reaching. I can keep on ministering. But I need that affirmation. This is so important. I just, I just want to encourage the ladies, try not to tell him what he's not. Because it's so defeating for a man. When you say, well, you're not this, or you're not that, or I wish you were more this. So-and-so's husband bought her this. <sighs> and you might be joking, but you, you feel so defeated as a man. And he feels like a failure, and he feels like he'll never be able to please or satisfy. And what he wants to do is he wants to take his ball, and he wants to go home, because he don't want to play anymore. Are you all with me? Even if he's not quite there yet, build him up there anyways. Especially spiritually. Especially spiritually. Oh, I just wish my husband was more spiritual. I've been a pastor for almost 10, a little over 10 years. The most common complaint I hear from, from wives, he's just not as spiritual as he needs to be. Well, when he hears you say he's not spiritual, there's nothing in him that makes him want to be more spiritual. There really isn't. He feels like he's failing. He feels like you already don't look up to him in that area. And so if you take whatever he does that, he's, that is even remotely spiritual and you applaud it and you get loud about it and you encourage it, if you just see him bow his head for two seconds before he eats and he doesn't even say anything out loud, you just, when he lifts his eyes up, say, oh, baby, that made me, do, oh, that turned me on when you did that. Oh, I don't, I don't know what you do. You might just encourage him. You might just applaud it. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's never prayed in public before, but Thanksgiving meal, he said, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this plate. Boom. After that, you just start clapping like, go, honey, preach. You might even whisper and breathe heavy in his ear. I don't know. Do something to encourage, applaud it, be loud about it. Because I promise you, if you will encourage and build up, the next time he prays, he might even get to preaching a little bit. He might even get a little louder next time. I'm telling you right now, he might be where he is because you haven't been speaking the life that you need to speak. Build him up. Tell him that you believe in him. Man, she wants to know, do you love her? And every single day, you have to show her. You have to demonstrate to her that you love her. Every day you got to do it. Not just on Mother's Day, not just on Valentine's Day, not just on her birthday. Every single day you're at work as a husband to make her feel loved, safe, and secure. And ladies, every day you wake up, you want to remind your husband how much you believe in him. If you will start doing that in your marriage relationship, I promise you it will go to the next level and it will happen fast. Your marriage will begin to take quantum leaps if you'll begin to apply this stuff to your marriage. I want, I want to give you number two. Y'all ready for number two? It's much shorter than number one, by the way. When you think something special, do it. 
When you think something special, do it. When you think something good, say it. When you think something special, do it. Guys, you might just come up with this idea and listen, you don't know where it came from. It definitely wasn't your flesh. It was the Holy Spirit. I think I should just wash my wife's car today. Like by hand, I'm just going to wash it. Guess what? The Holy Spirit just deposited that into your mind. And if you will think it and actually do it, because we think of these things and then we're just too lazy to do them. Are you all right, guys? If you think something special, do it. If you think, hey, I mean, it would really bless my spouse if I came home early from work today. Hey, guys, listen, if you got little ones in the house, think something special, let me give you something special you can do. If you've got little ones that got diapers and they run around like a bunch of little wild animals in your house, give them little wild animals a bath when you get home. Put them in the bath, wash them, get them cleaned up, get their pajamas on, and get them tucked into bed. And, and don't just expect the other one to do it every night. Are y'all with me? Listen, are, are, you, are, are you ready? Guys, give her an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Are y'all writing this down? An unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Why well, just give it on holidays? Let's know. It's an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Sometimes I will leave Kayla in suspense for like two years. <laughs> because if I do it all the time, she'll be expecting it. You know, it won't be a surprise. Are y'all with me? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. I think something special and I do it. Why? James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. If you think of something that's going to bless somebody else, this goes outside your marriage. If you think of something that you can do to be a blessing to your church or to someone else and you're not doing it, the Bible calls it a sin. That I'm not doing what I know I should be doing. Number three, y'all ready for number three as I close? So when you think something good, you say it. When you think something special, you do it. And then number three, when you want something different, be it. Listen to me. If you want something different in your marriage, then start being something different yourself. Here's what you're like, oh, that don't make no sense. No, listen to me. Listen to me. You're expecting your spouse to change. And you're coming to your spouse and you're coming to your husband. You need to change. You need to change. You need to change. And you're coming to your wife. You need to change. You need to change. Why don't you stop doing that and say, I'm going to be the change. If you want something different in your marriage, then be something different. If you want to see a change, why don't you let God start with you? Is this helping anybody today? Do not gripe about what your spouse is not. You become who God wants you to become. Let me say it again. Don't whine and complain and gripe about what your spouse is not. You become who God's called you to become. You want something different. Be something different. If you don't like your spouse on their phone all night, come home, take your phone and put it in a basket yourself and don't touch it. I promise you, you do that for a two night, a few nights, they're going to follow you and they're going to start putting their phone in there. You don't even got to say nothing. You just start doing it. They're going to notice it. I've noticed you've been on, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to be more engaged with you. I promise you, unless you're just a knucklehead like need pastor to come slap you upside the head, you're going to put your phone in the basket and you're going to be more engaged with your spouse and your kids as well. Is this helping anybody? Don't try to complain someone into change. Be the change. Don't tear each other down. Don't nag each other. Lead the change. 
We don't criticize our way into a better marriage. We allow God to transform us and change us from the inside out. Listen, the moment you go home and say, well, honey, I hope you really listened to today. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? I hope you're, you really needed that, honey. As soon as you do that, you've missed the whole meaning behind what I'm preaching today. What you need to do is you need to draw a circle around yourself and to stay in your little hula hoop. And quit getting in your spouses and let God change you and be the change. Because here's the problem with most marriages, and it breaks my heart to see it when it happens. You get stuck. You get at each other. You start growing apart. And when you used to be such a dynamic team, you literally could take on the world together. But then over time, instead of taking on the world together, you begin to take each other out. And that's not what God wants. I'm telling you right now, life is too hard by itself. Life is hard even when the marriage is good, isn't it? Life is already too hard. It's almost literally impossible. There's so much coming after us. There's so much coming against us. And, and life is very challenging. And life is very difficult. There is a devil who's like a roaring lion coming after you to still kill and destroy every good thing in your life. And you can't kick the devil's butt when you're kicking each other's butt. So why don't we just stop doing this and stop going head to head and lock arms together and get filled with the Holy Spirit and go out and start kicking the devil's tail and start advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't we start doing that? You can change the world if you do it together. That's why a man leaves his mother and father and is united with his wife. The two become one flesh. You get connected. You lock arms together. And guys, let me just see, say this. You've got to be the one that leads this. God's called you to be the leader. You need to be the one that breaks the crazy cycle that you're in. You've got to be the one. It's time to put your pride to the side. Get your priorities straight. Get in to the prayer closet. And bow before the throne of God. And get up and go and lead your family. Lead this. Because guys, women, and I don't mean to be insulting at all. I don't want to get like a, 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 a girl power email today. I love the ladies. I love the ladies. Y'all preach. Y'all lead. Y'all are awesome. All that. But men, they are multipliers and they are responders. Whatever you give them... They're going to give it back a hundredfold. If you love them good, they're going to love you a hundredfold back. You give them a hard time? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. They are multipliers. Can I get an amen? You give them a hard time, they're going to give you H-E double hockey sticks. They're going to give it back, are they not? Times 20, they're coming back like... But if you will love them, they will love you and multiply it and multiply. I, I loved Kayla. She multiplied. Give me a son. Give me kids. Supports me, encourages me, respects me, honors me, builds me up. When I feel like I'm falling down because I've been able to love her and show her the love that she needs. Instead of complaining about what you're not getting, 
why don't you change what you're giving? This is for everybody. If you don't like what you're receiving, you need to change what you're giving. Because you reap what you sow. If you don't like what you're getting back, it's probably because they don't like what you're giving them. And there's got to be somebody that breaks the cycle. There was a time. Come on, you remember there was a time. I want some of you to think about it right now. As a husband and wife, can you remember a time when you were more in love than you are right now? Where it was better than it is right now? Might be good, but is it as good as it's ever been? If it's not, your marriage is moving in the wrong direction. Same is true with your relationship with God. Can you remember a time when you were more in love with God? Where you were more on fire for God than you are right now? Then your relationship with God is moving in the wrong direction. It's not supposed to decline. It's supposed to incline. It's supposed to grow and get better and better and better. There was a time that you were in love and you did some stupid things to show that love. You remember it? You did crazy things. You would do whatever you had to do to get the one. Because you were crazy about that person. And years later, you wonder why you're not. Somewhere along the way, you stop pursuing. Two very simple principles are these. You can write these down. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. Some of you are like, I, I just, we, we just got married too fast, whatever. Kid came, we got married, we didn't really. Listen, you're married now. Work it out. You never had a strong on fire for God marriage. Listen, to get what you've never had, you got to be willing to do what you've never done. You got to change some things up. Regardless if it, it was never good or whatever, it can be great. To get what you never had, you got to be willing to do what you've never done. You ready for the second one? To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you had it. You were in love. Man, I'm telling you, it was, it was amazing. To get what you once had, you got to do what you once did. Got to get back to where it started. Don't just pursue to get the one. Pursue to keep the spouse. You know what to do? You know how to do it. Come on, Casanova. You, you know what works. You know what doesn't work. You know what to do. Get to work. Say the right things. Build up. Encourage. Think something special. Do it. Start being the change. Start being the change. I'm telling you right now, you start doing those things, some romance is going to fire up in your marriage again. A little snuggle, snuggle. Come on. A little love, a little intimacy. Those things fall back in love with each other. When Jesus was talking to the church in Ephesus who fell away, this is what he said. This is what he had against them. He said, what did he say? He said, you have left your first love. That's what he said. I want to take what he said in Revelation 2.5. He was talking about in the context of the church and relationship with God. Can we apply it loosely, loosely to your marriage day? Listen to what it says. He said, remember the height from which you were fallen. Repent and do the things you did 
at first. He's talking about when they're, they were in love with God. Get back to when you first met him, you were on fire. Do those things again and you'll fall back in love with God again. Same is true for your spouse. Get back to the things that you did in the beginning and you will fall back in love again. Do not waste the gift of God called marriage and throw it away because you feel like it's unredeemable. Oh my goodness, can I preach to you now? Nothing is unredeemable in the hands of a redeeming God. Nothing is. Nothing is too great. Nothing is impossible for him. He took a bloodstained cross and turned it to an empty tomb. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the same spirit that raised Christ up from the grave lives on the inside of you. Don't tell me it's unredeemable. You can do it. There's hope in the name above all names. In the name of Jesus. If the grass looks greener, the grass looks greener on some other lawn it's your fault get the fertilizer out get the trimmers out i'll mow your grass (laughs) i'll trim your trees i'll bag your grass come on we're making it all whatever you know can i get an amen i'm gonna work on my marriage because it is a gift from god it's a covenant relationship Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks for those of you that give generously to City Light Church. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, you can click the link to give now in the description, or you can go to citylightchurch.cc forward slash give. And if God is using this podcast in your life, you can subscribe today. You can click the share button and help us get the word out to the world. Thank you for listening and God bless.